Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Yo, what is up, Believers, and what is up, Bear Down Nation? I am Cameron Lee. And I am Joey Christopoulos. Today's Believe in Bears episode is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. The NFL season, it's in full swing. It's heading towards the finish line. And you might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on all the action at BetOnline. Like, the cheeseheads are rolling in the cash right now after just dominating the Bears on Sunday Night Football. And from game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online, and there's always that online casino as well. It never closes. So head to BetOnline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, BetOnline and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Cameron, Week 12, Bears lose 41-25. to It might as well have been 4,000 to 25 the bears have lost five games in a row cameron in one word just give the bears fans what your emotion is right now <laughs> um detached bears lose 41 to 25 it was ugly the final score does not reflect how terrible this game was they were down 41 to 10 at one point in the game mitch trubisky's return to the lineup goes for naught but cameron let's begin here we do want to talk about what happened in the game we're going to walk through the crime scene as best as we possibly can but let's just start here with the defense and a defense that we've been building up all season long and rightfully so. But I'll be honest with you. When I saw the news that Akeem Hicks wasn't playing in tonight's game, the first thing I thought inside of my head was, uh-oh. Yeah, we talked earlier in the week about, uh, I believe the question was, who was I more intimidated by? Was it Devontae Adams or was it Aaron Jones? You know, we didn't know at the time that there wouldn't be Akeem Hicks in the middle. Uh, we had our concerns, but obviously, you know, when you look at there and you see that they got 90 yards on the ground from Aaron Jones, 73 from Jamal Williams, um, you know, that's kind of kind of what uh, was to be expected. You know, he's a huge presence in the game, and obviously that rushing attack was huge. Uh, no sacks, no real pressures on Aaron Rodgers. You know, those are things that you absolutely have to be able to do. And, you know, the Bears defense just didn't get it done today um, by any standards. They're coming off a bye week, and to use a meatball sports radio phrase, it looked like that they were still on the beach. It looked like they were still on bye week. Cameron, what was it? I mean, Aaron Rodgers is a great player. He can carve up any defense out there in the NFL whenever he wants, but what was it tonight specifically for you? For me, it just seemed like people standing up on first contact hits, not real any sort of tackling discipline or fundamentals, no aggression, weren't able to get to the quarterback tonight. What specifically really hurt this defense? because they got carved up early and often. Early on, I, I don't know if you noticed, but it seemed as though the Bears made it a point to only rush three uh, three players to get to Aaron Rodgers. You know, we talked, I said it was one of my keys uh, to this game was that the Bears got pressure on Aaron Rodgers. And when you only rush three, obviously you're really limiting, um, you know, the number of players that are going to be uh, having a shot at getting to the quarterback. You're hoping that you're able to, to have more guys in coverage and obviously – um, you know, make those plays. Aaron Rodgers is just phenomenal at, you know, making something out of nothing or uh, just finding a way to make it happen. And, you know, he didn't look flustered at all. There was not a single play uh, tonight there where he seemed to be out of out of his rhythm, out of his element. Um, you know, I thought rushing three early on was a weird decision, but yeah, I, you know, the, <laughs> I don't know if it's just schematically, if, if you know the bear, the Packers' offense just looked phenomenal, and uh, there was just so many different weapons and so many different ways to utilize guys. I didn't like early on, um, you know, they're getting the ball to Devonte Adams, 
uh, on some of these short routes and they're throwing the ball to the, to the flats. We're seeing uh, Danny Trevathan try and track this, track him down. It's just not a really a good look. It's not, hasn't been all year. So just stuff like that. It just, you know, he got going early and uh, they never slowed down. The Packers looked faster. They were all over the place. They had more weapons. It seemed like they could hit from any different angle pretty much whenever they wanted. And even on that first drive in the red zone, Aaron Rodgers has, what, four or five seconds to throw the football to Devontae Adams for the first score of the game. Just a small taste of what was to come. Cameron, one of your keys heading into this game was to move Aaron Rodgers off of his spot. What can you say about a, you know, you're talking about rushing only three guys. You know, what do you say to a defensive line that doesn't even hit Aaron Rodgers all night long? It had to be a point of emphasis, obviously, was to, you know, it had to be, um, you know, to get in there and to create that pressure and make him move around and make him get off uh, out of rhythm and off off pace. And, you know, they just absolutely didn't happen. You know, Khalil Mack didn't really have the impact that you anticipate. Obviously, the lack of Akeem Hicks, Robert Quinn didn't get home, you know, just – you know, this is a it's a pretty good offensive line for the Packers. We talked about that. David Bakhtiari, Corey Lindsley are two great players. Corey Lindsley goes down early and they're able to to make a you know a makeshift um, patchwork offensive line like the Bears have had to do for uh, this entire season and, and they made it work and it was seamless and um, yeah, I mean the Bears just didn't really seem to be on the defensive interested, side of the ball. interested in competing in the game. I mean, I don't know. They were put on their heels right away. And then it created some tackling issues. They were able to run inside the tackles. They were able to throw the ball side to side, down the middle. They got whatever they wanted, whenever they wanted. They did. I mean, Robert Tanyan was all over the place. Devontae Adams, obviously, all over the place. Aquan Nemia, St. Brown. I mean, like, they, Alan Lazard, they all, you know, whatever they wanted to do, those guys just found a way to get open. Um, I mean, I think – can't take anything away from the Packers. I think they schemed up a great plan, and they were able to carve up what is normally a very good defense, but I mean, you know, I think that a lot of that just goes to, I mean, they just seemed more interested and more prepared to play in this game. Let's switch it over to Mitch Trubisky return to the lineup this week. We talked about dream scenarios and we talked about nightmare scenarios on the preview pod. And let's just start here. The way that the defense played in this game, I think we both can be in agreement, gave Mitch Trubisky a very hard road to climb even before he was able to really find what we wanted to see, maybe a rhythm and sort of a comfort on the offensive side of the ball. I think that's that's definitely the case. You know, playing from behind, uh, you know, never getting into the situation where they can come out and just run the ball. So obviously, you know, playing from behind the sixes and or playing from behind on the scoreboard is never easy. And so it was a tough, a tough spot to be coming into. But that being said, um, I want to point out that, I mean, you know, when you talked about dream scenario, I don't really think that I described a dream scenario. I said what my expectations were that they come out and they move the ball and they score more points. And honestly, I think that we saw that. Obviously, there were some turnovers and they were very costly, but I don't put, you know, the outcome of this game, the loss uh, on the shoulders of Mr. Risky. The loss comes to him, comes on the shoulders of the defense. Obviously, like I said, costly turnovers, but they were turnovers for the most part of aggression. And, you know, I think that personally, ultimately, I was encouraged by what we saw offensively. Although, like I said, big mistakes and, and Jeff, definitely some stuff that can be cleaned up. I, but I think overall, I think if you're someone who's actually watched the Bears offense week in and week out, you know, you're looking at this and going, you know, 229 yards of, uh, you know, passing or uh, over 100 yards rushing. I mean, that's that's all that we can ask for for this Bears team. Like, that's a step in the right direction. So I'm not discouraged by what I saw offensively. And I think if you can remove certain aspects of the game and look at it the way that you're talking about it, compartmentalizing it, 
there were a couple things that we liked to see. I mean, David Montgomery broke off that 60-yard run. You know, Mitch Trubisky against a prevent defense. Let's take that out because obviously when in garbage time, he's just getting an opportunity to kind of chuck the rock around. But I did think they were able to move the pocket a little bit. I thought the offensive line, by and large, played pretty well. I mean, they looked substantially better with Mitch under center than they did with Nick Foles. They actually gave some opportunities. Now we can talk about Mitch's mistakes. As you said, trying to make a play, the fumble, there was a face mask on that play. The play before it, a Packers player actually punched a Bears player. Do you know bananas on the field? This is an offense that I think was at least moving in the right direction, was able to score some points later on in the game. I think they can go back and look at the film and at least find some areas that they can build on as opposed to what we've been seeing for the past month. Definitely. That's definitely the case. You know, like I said, there, there's, this was not a flawless game offensively by any means, but we saw enough, at least I did personally, uh, that I found to be really encouraging. And, you know, you can look at this a number of different ways and, and beat the Bears up and say, really, you know, they lost by 16 points. There were three turnovers. What did Mitch Trubisky do? How was this any better? But that's not the way I'm going to choose to look at this scenario. I'm going to look at this and say, we got over 100 yards rushing when we normally average in the 70s. David Montgomery had the longest run of his career, and that was early in the game. They were able to come out, move the pocket. Mitchell Trubisky completed some short throws, some short rhythm throws. You can see, I mean, like if you were really watching the, the details of the game, if you're really paying attention, running lanes were there. Running lanes were there, and they were able to do that because just the simple and sheer threat of what could be. You just know that because there's always the threat that they're going to um, keep, that there's going to be a read option or that there's going to be an RPO. There's always one less defender in the box or one less guy pursuing uh, the running back with the ball. It just creates more running lanes. And you saw that we can beat, we can beat them up all that we want. Um, but I see, I saw great improvement in the running game. I saw them taking shots, throwing the ball downfield. I didn't think that there was a whole lot of pressure um, on our quarterback and when there was pressure or time ran out he evaded uh, some defenders and broke off that that first down that we were talking about on a, on a third and long that that takes so much pressure off because ultimately I'm I'm not sad like I think a lot of Chicago Bears fans probably are because you know what I wanted to win the game but I came into this with realistic expectations and I honestly the offense seemed to move far enough forward despite some errors but far enough forward that I feel better than I have about the Bears in a really long time. And the surprise and the shock of this game is that this loss is on the defense. We don't get an opportunity to say that very often this season. And I'll be honest, I'm going to keep the faith and confidence that I don't think we're going to have to say that too many more times this season. But bottom line, this loss is on the defense. Yes, two Trubisky turnovers turned into uh, 14 points for Green Bay. You know, after the interception, they drove down the field and they scored. And then the fumble turned into a touchdown that made it 27 to three. But even at halftime, you know, we got to 27 to 10. Trubisky got a little hot. He went on a little bit of a heater to round out that half. And again, to open up the third quarter, just stale drives. Trubisky went one for six. They scored again, made it 34 to 10. Things got really out of control. Cameron, I just want to bring up to you because it was one of my keys heading into this preview pod that we did for Bears versus Packers. I talked about the second and the third quarter. Those were the two quarters that were going to make or break this game for us. And I got news for you, Bears fans. The Packers outscored the Bears 35-7 to in the second and third quarter. That is the game right there in its essence. Things got out of control towards the end of the second half. Even though we did get those seven points on the board, the game was already out of our reach. And then the third quarter, things got even worse. Those are the two quarters that you really had to pay attention to, and we just couldn't execute 
on any level in those two periods. And it's hard when you're, when you're down by so much, you know, um, because the bears were able to run the ball. The bears were able to run the ball and there were times in the second half and the second and third quarters where the passing game looked really rough. Uh, Mitch looked a little frazzled and was unable to complete some passes. But I'm telling you, the difference of that is that when you're down by so much that the defense knows that you're not going to run the ball and they're going to key in and dial up their rush a little bit and know where to be in the passing game um, on the defensive side. And I think that made a big difference. I think you could see from a comfort standpoint that, you know, it wasn't always there as much uh, in that period of the game. And that's just, that's something that's going to be a byproduct of being down by so much. Bears have lost five in a row. They head into play Detroit next week, needing a win as bad as they've ever needed it. And Cameron, they're five and six, but guess what? They're still in the hunt for the playoffs. The Cardinals lost today. The Cardinals play the Rams next week. They could easily go to six and six. The Vikings next week play Jacksonville. They're looking at six and six too as well. If you get back to six and six next week, you are actually still on the hunt. As bad as this loss feels, as bad as the five-game losing streak feels, as much as we want to scream and yell at whether it's the quarterback, the coach, the general manager, the team president, the Bears are actually still on the hunt now, and the next four games are all winnable football games. Yeah, that's what we've been talking about. That there's this schedule is cut up into a couple different phases. Um, but this back half is, you know, very, very winnable. And, you know, this Bears team for the roller coaster that we've been on still has a shot to make the playoffs and still has a shot to, you know, to come out of this thing sitting, you know, not pretty by any means, but sitting okay. Um, and, and I think that that's really where the Bears' focus should be is that uh, as they enter this final stretch of the season, as there are these winnable games, this is the opportunity to build momentum and to, and to go out and, you know, kind of prove – uh, prove your, your worth, I guess, if you will, and prove that you kind of have an idea of where this team's headed, what, what, the, what the, I guess, identity might be moving forward. This offensively has just been such a... Uh, horror show. It's a horror show. A horror show. A train wreck. And a train wreck. Dumpster yeah, fire. Yeah. <laughs> you got it. Anyway, but yeah, it, it's been that. But I think that they can take steps forward and, you know, whether they're going to end up making the playoffs or not, who knows. But I think that we can see and find pieces of a foundation uh, that might be worth moving forward with, whether that be, you know, hopefully maybe an Allen Robinson or if it's David Montgomery or if it's, you know, it may be overhauling this entire group. But I just think that there's still a lot to be learned uh, and that can be learned in, these finals, in this uh, final stretch of the season. And I would like to see um, – this team win some of these matchups that we know that they can. Cameron, I got two big picture questions for you to wrap up this pod. But first, give us your grade for the offensive line uh, against the Packers in week 12. Can I give him a B plus? He came out, played well. Um, I don't, don't remember the exact number. I don't think that there were too many sacks. What they gave have? up three. And three Mitch, Mitch may or not ran himself into at least ran one. Into, yeah. Yeah, he did. So, I mean, honestly, B-plus might be um, a high grade for a team that had three sacks. I'm not sure. But you know what? Compared to the standards, compared to the expectations, I, I think that, again, having a makeshift uh, group that we've – a rag of ragtag group of guys that we've slid guys over and put people in new positions, and this guy's coming off the bench and all this. I mean, I, I enjoyed uh, the way they were able to come out and play. And I think that their ability to run the ball says a lot. So, you know what? Congratulations on getting over the 100-yard mark. Congratulations on, you know, scoring 25 points, which is the most they've scored in like six weeks, I believe. You know, like this, 
I'm not going to beat this team up too much, and I think the offensive line played okay. A couple weeks ago, we had it all the way down to pass or fail, and the offensive line was failing, and and I'm right there with you. I borderline want to give them an A-, minus just if they're at that 88, 89, just maybe giving them that extra point because I'm, I'm right there with you. We were able to run the football. We got some running lanes going. I felt like we didn't hear from the offensive line a lot in this game, which was a breath of fresh air compared to what we've seen over the last month. And I did think at times Mitch Trubisky had a pretty solid pocket to sit himself down. Like on the, on the one pick to Darnell Mooney, he had all the time in the world to check it out, load it up. Was it a bad decision? Yes. But he was able to make that throw. We're talking about the offensive line here. So I'm right there with you. B-plus, I think, a lot to work on moving forward. I think that that group, especially with David Montgomery moving forward, should feel pretty good about themselves going up against a Detroit Lions team next week that is going through all sorts of changes. And I, I think that could perhaps be one of the bright spots. Another bright spot, too, as well as, you know, Allen Robinson, again, that safety valve for Mitch Trubisky is back. Fantasy owners rejoice because uh, Allen Robinson, again, also had another great game as well. He did. He always seems to find himself open. He seems to be able to, you know, to be the man. And every every quarterback's got that guy that they lean on. And if that's Allen Robinson, it seems to be that man for Mitch. I love just how easy he he makes a lot of this stuff look. And there was um, the the play early on uh, where we thought that we were going to gonna get a touchdown you know, that's, that's a tough play. That's a, that's an absolute true 50, 50 ball, but I like that they've got that, that Mitch has the guts and he believes in Allen enough to, to throw it in there. And you know, like I said, he, he made some errors today, but it, it, I'll take those errors being aggressive. First of two big picture questions I want to ask you, and then we're going to get out of here. The first one is I just want to get your take as a former offensive lineman who's been in those rooms, who's had a quarterback as a leader on a team, how important it is. You talk about all the time how important it is to have a quarterback on your team. This is, let's just remove Mitch from the situation, and let's just keep it very simple and say Mitch is not the guy, and he probably isn't the guy moving forward from years to come. So can you just talk about the impact, and the Bears fans are living it right now, of when you get that starting quarterback position wrong, it isn't just one season and it's not just one game. This is years that we're talking about now, right? Where this is Mitch's fourth year. If we don't bring him back, we bring someone else in. And by the time maybe the Bears can say that they've got their next quarterback, we're talking almost six or seven years. And it's not just this year. This thing got in motion four years ago when they drafted him. Yeah, I mean, the quarterback position is, is probably the most unique position in sports just because so much – beyond just what takes place on the field but just everything in an organization revolves around that one singular position it impacts the way that money gets spent it impacts who you go out and and align uh roster wise it's just it changes the way you might play you know like i came in uh, i played i was briefly in baltimore we were still running joe flacco's offense with lamar jackson on the bench i mean things changed in a heartbeat obviously when they realized which one of those two was the, was the better asset. It's, it's a time-consuming process to, to go out and just make this change. Very rarely does someone just come in and it clicks and they fit the scheme, they fit the system, they fit the timeline. Sometimes you have the right guy at the wrong time. If you have, you know, say a quarterback who is ready to go, but the talent around him isn't quite there yet, you know, you're going out there and spending money uh, on an expensive player and you're hindering uh, your ability to sign the right guy. So like there's all sorts of things that really go into this and the QB position is just so 
important to the success of the entire organization. So, I mean, yeah, if they decide to move off of Nick Foles or Mitch Trubisky and, and go out and draft a player or sign a player or trade for a player, no matter who it is, don't think that, hey, even if we get the right guy, even if we get Trevor Lawrence or whoever that person might be that you have in your head that is going to fix the Chicago Bears, they're probably not going to fix them next year, and they're not going to fix them like, like that. That's just not how it works. It takes time. It takes time for this thing to click. It takes time uh, to get the right people in the right places, to have the right scheme, to have the right chemistry. So, yeah, it, it's not going to – I don't think that anything's going to change overnight. And just the same way that the Bears fans might have thought they got it right or wrong four years ago, it's taken us four years to figure it out, and, and we're still searching for answers. And even right or wrong, even if you're somewhere in the middle, closer to the right side of it, you just can't be wrong. And obviously, quarterback position is important. Ask the Denver Broncos today how they feel about that whole situation. But I just wanted to get your opinion on it because we're just sort of sitting in this now. You know, we're still in the season. We're still going to fight. I still think that they could perhaps get it together in time with the opponents that they have coming up and perhaps make the playoffs. But this is just an existential question for where this Bears organization is going. And it just really starts to, when you think about it, when Mitch was drafted in the back of your mind, like, oh man, if this doesn't work out, this is going to screw us up for five years. Well, we're almost at that point now where it could possibly be even six or seven based on the decisions that we make. And unfortunately, the decision that we already made that frankly just hasn't panned out the way that we wanted it to. It's almost like quarterback purgatory. You know, he's played, they played well enough early on that you think, hey, this guy might be a guy worth keeping around and you go out and you make moves to put people in place around him to give that guy an opportunity but when you what you find out is that even if all of that stuff clicks and hits the best that it could it still isn't going to get you over the top it still isn't going to win playoff games it still isn't going to get you to a Super Bowl caliber and you might have been better off pursuing another option earlier on in this process because you just um, you commit so many resources uh, to to helping find the right fit and the right players and the right scheme. And sometimes it's just not right enough, if that makes sense. Cameron, final big picture question for you. I'm going to ask this to you because guess what? It's coming. This question is coming all this week. It's a bit hyperbolic. It's a bit hot takey. I'm going to stir the pot with you a little bit, and I just want to get your reaction. Next week, the Bears have lost five games in a row. They're playing the Detroit Lions. Is Matt Nagy coaching for his job? And is Ryan Pace general managing for his general manager's role next week? If they were to lose to the Lions, could you see something drastic and sweeping? Are we seeing Chuck Pagano as our head coach in week 14? Yeah, I mean, I could see a scenario. I mean, if you lose six in a row, especially given all the momentum that was supposed to be there at the beginning of the season and all these little – it just seems like there's been plenty of opportunities to right the ship and, you know, to, to get things in order. And, hey, we've done this quarterback. We've done that quarterback. We've had this play caller. We've had that play caller. We've, we've had the in, bye week. We've looked at tape. We've made adjustments. Yeah, it, it seems like, you know, and, and we went through the tough stretch. You know, no one's going to beat you up too much for your losses to the Rams and the Saints and the Titans, you know, and you, you pulled a couple wins out of your butt uh, and made some miraculous things happen. But, you know, I mean, if you're obviously getting – shellacked by the Packers is never good but if you come out and lose to the lose to the Lions I mean these are the games we're supposed to win this this is uh this is the 
this is our game, you know? I mean, and I don't want it to happen. Believe you me, I, I, I want us to finish well. And even if we don't, I want Matt Nagy to finish the season because that just kind of, I feel like that that can fracture a locker room. Guys can go into different directions and all of a sudden you've got a whole different ball of cats going on. But if you lose six games in a row, I just remember when people were talking about whether Joe Madden was going to be fired. A lot of people thought he was going to be shown the door no matter what happened. They lost nine games in a row in September. And I love Joe Madden. He brought me a World Series. But when you lose nine games in a row in September, sometimes there's a point of no return. And in the NFL, if you get to losing six games in a row, especially if you start five and one, even whether you want to salvage the season or not, is this what we're going to be doing moving forward? Or should we just begin the process? Now there's a lot of questions up in the air suddenly. I just wanted to get your take on it. I don't know what will happen because, man, they would have to put up such a poor performance and lose to the Lions. I feel like for that to happen. But it is on the table now. And the problem about it is that this team is too talented to be that bad. You know, I, I think that uh, we've both made compelling cases that at points this team has been overhyped. Uh, I think they've been this, – this team's really fascinating because I think they've been overhyped, disrespected, Two and, versions um, of disrespect, right? The disrespect, yeah. you, don't, you don't deserve this, and then all of a sudden the disrespect of we knew who you were all along. Right. And so, like, we – I think that, you know, if this is a team that is eight and eight at best, you know, that's not crazy to me, but they're certainly not six straight losses bad. There's just too much uh, talent on the defensive side of the ball. This team does have offensive playmakers – to go to lose six straight and to lose to some of the teams that they will have had to have lost to, to, to pull that feed off. It really is going to show a lack of, you know, ability to adjust and right the ship and get things going in the correct direction. Cause I mean, you've had plenty of chances. This has been a, a long time coming. Cameron bears lose 41 to 25 in week 12 to the Green Bay Packers. They fall to five and six on the season. They're going to try and get off the five-game losing streak. Schneid next weekend against the Detroit Lions. But until then, we're going to take a couple days off. We're going to recharge our batteries a little bit. Cameron, take us home on a very sobering, troublesome, but yet still enjoyable time spent with you, Pod. Uh, you've been listening to the Believe in Bears podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. Make sure you tune in to our pregame show as we get you ready for another Chicago Bears and Detroit Lions matchup, one that hopefully our Bears can pull out and get this thing going in the right direction again. But until then, make sure you like, subscribe, tell your friends about this podcast, and remember to always bear down. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.